Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradium. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and generational prosperity. I believe that there are families and businesses that have learned to give a new definition to the word success from a kingdom perspective. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 20 to 30 minutes where we take traditional thinking and turn it upside down. Hi, this is Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist. Thank you so much for joining me today for Redefining Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. We have a special time today. I've got such a special guest joining me today, Robert White. He's an author. He's a speaker. He's um, CEO of Extraordinary People. He's a mentor to um, executive teams and executives. Um, But more than that, um, before, I mean, I, I got the chance to ask Robert to be on the podcast. We had an opportunity to do an event together. I guess it was almost a year ago, Robert. We were up in Utah doing an event that we will talk a little bit more about called Living a Better Story. And Robert was the speaker the first day. And wow, that's all I can say is wow. I mean, just a man who understands how to help you really kind of start to frame a vision for the future and kind of understand maybe some in a short period of time, right? What are some of your limiting factors? What are some things that are staying your way? And then how do you begin to kind of break those down? And so I, I know we're going to get into a lot of that. I, I'm looking forward to talking about just the impact, Robert, you've made on the world. I mean, you talk about a man, this man has not just made a difference in the lives of people here, like in the US, he's made a difference globally. And so the stories that you've got to tell and just the way that you've helped people redefine success and look from things from a different perspective, maybe they had before is going to make just a great story today. So Robert, thank you so much for being with us. That's a great pleasure. I was getting nervous that my introduction would be longer than my talk, but uh, (laughs) look, I'm blessed. And part of it's just age and gray hair, but I'm blessed to receive some really nice introductions recently. And one of the things I like to remind myself and anybody that I'm communicating with is that the most special thing about me, Eric, is I'm a very average person. (laughs) You know, I'm not very disciplined in some areas. Uh, I struggle with my weight. I've been very good at getting married. I'm not very good at staying married. You know, so I'm I'm really average. I think, though, that I am an example of what can happen when you start living by more positive and life-affirming principles mm. uh, when you start paying attention to spirit and, and spiritual development, when you start paying attention just to life as it shows up and really tell the truth about it and deal with it as it is, not, not some story or fantasy that you've made up. So yeah. I, I am an example of growth because God knows I needed it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so... And that's, that's somewhat what I share with executives. I've discovered that these incredibly talented, uh, successful people that just are so good at accomplishment, 
often have that same pattern in their lives, like me, feeling, uh, you know, they anything negative, anything, uh, a betrayal, uh, anything like that that happens because they're ambitious. They do just what I did, which is you stuff it down because you're, you're focused and you're aligned and you're you're going for it. And I can't I can't deal with that feeling right now. So I'm just going to ignore it. Mm. And so many of my clients are so much like me. It, and and that's useful because I I, yeah. I can kind of understand their journey because yes. of my own. Um, I don't I don't want to get too far off on this because I want to talk about you. But I mean, I, I think what I would agree is as a successful executive and as someone who kind of lives in that life, it's is the word that's used in the industry kind of imposter syndrome. It's like, are they going to find out that I really don't know that much about what I'm doing? I can tell you so many imposter stories. Uh, that it, it's just staggering. Uh, you know, one of my clients was a very successful young guy, a fast track, big corporate guy. And he was called into the CEO's office, which was a big deal. He did not report to the CEO mm. and told that he would be the youngest vice president in the history of the firm. And he went home and he was discovered by his wife, curled up in a fetal uh, position in his bedroom, crying, sobbing. Mm. And, it, and it was that thing. He, he thought, now I'm going to be found out. I've been given this big job, but I've been faking it all this time. And now I'm going to be found out. Uh, he did get some help. He got a, a coach, a, a mentor that helped him to see that he really deserved that promotion. Yeah. He really, He really was a fast track, very talented guy. And Everybody could see it except him. Mm. Uh, but some things that happened in his uh, growing up years, just, uh, just a, very similar to mine. And the way he interpreted it was, I'm going to put on this face, you know, this image of a successful guy, but it's all fake as long as they don't find out, you know. Yeah. That kind of thing is, is uh, more familiar than you might, you might think. Well, and I think that's the one thing I've been getting the name of the podcast is redefining success. I think what the world tries to tell us is success is like the straight up path. Right. And it doesn't come with bumps and it doesn't come. It doesn't. I mean, the other thing that I found to be true is so many times is the only way to go to the next level up is to fall down a level. Right. Yep. You got to go backwards in order to go forwards because it's the lessons you learn in the falling backwards that then equip you to be able to go to the next place that you're going to go. But what the rest of the world, you come back to, you said this at the very beginning, the stories, the lies, the things that we hold on to, either from our childhood or even from other traumatic or other experiences, but come in to this idea of, um, you know, that's not just because that's the way the movie played it out, or that's the way you saw it, or you think it goes, doesn't mean that's the way it goes. Uh, you know, that's the, such, an, such an important thing. You know, as you have experienced in, in our, our three days together, uh, one of my exercises is to ask people to identify turning points, significant mm -hmm. events in their life, and then to look for patterns, yeah. positive patterns or patterns that are not so positive. And, you know, for me, one of them was that uh, I semi-retired, almost retired at 46, you know, I had, I had built this very large, the second largest training company in the world. We had 240 people, 70 full-time trainers uh, operating in seven countries with uh, 15 offices, and 
you know, a big operation and very profitable. And uh, I, I kind of quit. I moved. I was living in Asia. I, I moved to Aspen, Colorado. I built a, built a 14,500 square foot home, bought a jet, did all the nouveau riche things, uh, six nonprofit boards. I, I traveled with the late John Denver for six months. I did a lot of really interesting things. I met three presidents. I've met two kings. I've been an emperor. You know, I, I've had all these wonderful things happen. And I started, and then I, we had two birth children and two uh, adopted special needs kids. So in, in my retirement was kind of busy. Yeah. And I, ski, I skied 80 days a year. Wow. You know, so life was very, very good for Robert. And, but I started waking up in the morning. And I thought of this when I was thinking about this conversation with you that I would share this. I started waking up with this nagging thought that I, I just tried to get it out of my mind. But almost every morning I'd wake up thinking, God has something in mind for me and I haven't done it yet. Mm. You know, mm. and in our work, uh, because it's high impact experiential learning, the group work, uh, we have avoided uh, any kind of even a hint of religion because we don't want to get in the target zone with some fundamentalist Muslim, fundamentalist Christian, fundamentalist uh, uh, Jew uh, takes us on. Sure. So I had spent years really carefully avoiding that on a professional level and coaching my people to do the same. And people would come and they would ask us about that. Well, I had this spiritual experience in your training. <laughs> which is true. Right, right absolutely. <laughs> but I don't want to claim that. I, I Because if I go off in that direction, I, I become in the target zone of some very committed people. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, and yet here I am very much experiencing the presence of God almost every morning. Yeah. Or I'm out on the ski hill and I stop and just enjoy the view. One of the things I love to do. Yeah. And, uh, and suddenly God is there speaking to me, kind of saying, you know, what's next? And then, you know, traveling with John Denver, uh, he would do a concert one night. And then the next night we would do this environmental education program called Higher Ground. Mm -hmm. It's basically the teachings of uh, the late Buckminster Fuller. And, uh, and then, but when John would get off the stage, you know, like it's 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, it's like morning for him. He's excited out of his mind. I just want to go to bed. But we had a lot of long talks. And one of those talks, you know, it's one of those things you do remember when a good friend looks you in the eye and says, uh, God isn't finished with you. Mm. you and he, but, you know, being a guy, of course, he's got to in, in, include an insult, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he said, you think you're a big deal. Uh. But but your real future is ahead of you. Mm. I wonder what it's going to be like. And he would tease me like that. And, and it was true. All of that was going on for me. And again, one of the things I've discovered and that so attracted me to you, quite frankly, mm. is that you. Uh, you ain't just another financial advisor. <laughs> I know that's not one of your mottos in your advertising material, but, but it could be. Right. Uh, but the idea that no matter what your job is, yours or mine, or maybe one of our listeners, uh, there's a bigger aspect to it. There's a bigger contribution mm. possible. So uh, I've, I've been trying to keep that in mind for myself as I'm 
working with executives, but I haven't found one yet that didn't have a secret, kind of a secret yearning yeah. for how they wanted to matter, how they wanted to leave a legacy, yep. how they want, you know, uh, how they, they wanted the best for the world. And they might not, you know, they might be moving dirt, you know, excavation guy. One of, one of my clients does concrete forms, oh. you know, and there isn't anything much more basic than that. <laughs> but this guy and his wife are, they're committed to leaving something behind of value. And, yeah. and I, I'm so inspired by people like that. And I'm trying to live into it myself. Well, and what I've found, I mean, people like you and then interviewing other people like we've had on, we're having on the show is this entire idea that what I've really found is the world and you know, you, you've done this a lot longer. I don't know how much this has changed. I'm going off of, I mean, my almost 50 years of living. Um, so maybe it was different at another point. I don't imagine it was too different, but likes to think that success has something to do with dollars in a bank account. And, the, and likes to think that the more dollars you have in a bank account means less problems. And both of those things then become problems, right? So right. success means how much money I have. So I've got to go pursue the money. And then when I have the money, I'm supposed to have less problems. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's exactly the opposite. The money isn't the success. And the more money you have, the more problems you invite. Um, one of my favorite phrases is money doesn't cause problems. It just reveals and magnifies all those things you've been ignoring. And I, yeah. one of the things I loved about what you do, Robert, and I want to, I want to explore this a little bit more, kind of, I want to, I want to back time up a little bit and talk a little bit about what you kind of, how did you get into this and how did you find this? But what fascinated me more than anything is you really seem to understand this and really helped a lot of people. You know, I was looking at your, you know, extraordinary people. I mean, that's your website. That's kind of your mission is, is, and what I got, got out of that is how do I find the extraordinary in myself? Because every single person is full of self-doubt. Every single person, I mean, even, you know, the greatest presidents have woken up probably in the middle of the night. Like, am I the guy to, I go back to imposter syndrome. Am I the guy to do this? Can I really pull this off? And every single successful person struggles with that. And yet you plugged into and understood, I think very early on, a way to help people find their own light and find their own extraordinary. So tell me a little bit about the journey. How did you even kind of get into this? How did you discover that this was something that you were called to do? Uh, I certainly didn't suddenly get the wisdom. You know, <laughs> it's hard earned. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we talked, I talked about significant life events, you know, uh, when I was, uh, look, I grew up in a uh, household with a, a couple of dysfunctional parents, uh, alcoholic father and a very angry and violent mother. And uh, so I wanted to get out. That was, and you know, you talk about some noble life purpose. I just wanted to get out of that house. And number two, I didn't want to be poor again. Mm. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. When I was 12 years old, I wrote an essay in, in class at a school, you know, at school that won a contest. I, I lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin. At that time, only 50,000 people. So when I say I won the contest for the city, I'm not talking about millions of people that I was <laughs> c competing with, you know. But uh, part of the prize was a new bicycle. Pretty cool. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> a Schwinn with all the bells and whistles. That's <laughs> a big deal. Uh, but the other prize was uh, to go. I, did, I mean, I didn't at first experience it as a prize. And that was to go to a radio station and read a small portion of my essay on the air. 
And I walked into this radio station and I fell in love. Wow. I just fell in love. All the all those lights and all those pieces of equipment. And here's a guy sitting in front of a microphone and communi communicating with thousands of people and having obvious fun. Right. Uh, you know, and uh, I just fell in love with it. And then I, I, I went home and I thought about it for a couple of weeks and I went back to that radio station and I said, I want to hang around. I want to watch you do what you do. And they said, no. Uh, you know, insurance problems and, you know, all that. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm 12 years old. And as I'm leaving, the secretary said, kind of the whisper, you know, the, <laughs> you know, thank goodness or thank yeah. God. And she said, look, I, I overheard what you want to do. Our competitor down the street, WDUZ, has a hallway uh, and they have all glass walls and they have speakers so you can hear what's being broadcast, but you can see how they're doing it. And it's open. It's a foyer. Yeah. So for two years, I did that every Saturday. Did you really? Yeah. Well, I, I might have missed a few, but not many. Yeah. And I just fell in love. And then 14 years old, I'm sitting in school and uh, somebody comes from the principal's office and says, you know, come see the principal and he sits down with me and he says what have you been doing at that radio station mm. you know I, I, that's my little secret <laughs> and the, the radio station had fired all of their control engineers in a labor dispute probably illegally today yeah and uh they needed somebody that knew how to they call it running the board uh you know the announcer announces yeah. but who's put who's putting the tapes on and playing the records and all that stuff so at 14, I started as a control engineer, got licensed by the FCC, you know, did all that stuff. Uh, by 17, I had the highest rated radio show in the state of Wisconsin. Wow. I, made more, I made more money that year than my father ever made. Exactly. And wow. so that, but that was a turning point for me in terms of confidence. And then because I'm on the radio all the time, and of course, my classmates are the primary audience, it's a top 40 show. Yeah. And and I'm doing all of these they called record hops, you know, these are personal appearances, DJ appearances. I got named most likely to succeed. Mm. Okay. Now there's two things about that. One is I graduated sixth out of 300. Not bad. Yeah. I called, I called my mother. I told her that. And she said, Why weren't you number one? Oh. Now, now I don't have to tell the rest of that story, right? No. Oh. In terms of programming. But the second thing that happened was that uh, uh, I spent the next 10 years making them wrong. Mm. Yeah. So at 26 or 27, I was broke. I was divorced already and felt very guilty about it. Mm. I uh, had a fairly severe heart ailment. I'd been told I would die by 35 and it's inoperable. Wow. And uh, and, you know, salaries weren't paid in my little sales company. And, and I just I just was a mess. And a friend of mine in a similar business went out to California and went through one of the early human potential movement trainings, hmm. a company called Bond Dynamics or MDI. And he came back and he said, you have to go. And of course, I said, no. And, even you know, my life was a mess, but I'm certainly not going to go to one of these California seminars. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, uh, 
But then something happened over the next six months. First of all, his business did that. And mine was like that. Secondly, he was easier to be around. I couldn't identify exactly mm. what it was. Yeah. Because, you know, we'd get, it's Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You get together for a beer. And once a month or so, we'd get together for a beer. And I, I he was just different. Mm. And, but the other thing was, he had something I didn't even know existed. Adult onset acne. Oh. Now, if you're a teenager, you get acne and it goes away. You know, it's a temporary emergency. <laughs> what the girl, what the girls are going to think of you. Right. If you get, if you get it as an adult, it stays. Mm. And so he, I, all the time that I had done him three or four years, he did all these different treatments, cortisone and uh, scrubs and, you know, I remember one time his entire face was looked like that, you know, those monkeys that have the red butts, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and he's in a sales business and, you know, he's, uh, he was very sensitive about it. It went away. Really? Yeah. And he said it was because of the seminar, which I didn't believe, but I, <laughs> I, mean, I noticed it. Yeah. Right. So I went to the seminar and for three of the four days, I sat there with my arms crossed and probably my eyes crossed and yeah. cynical and negative and all that. And I can't explain it. I, I guess I could talk about it kind of, but on the fourth day, my whole life changed. <laughs> uh, I went out and I did. It, there wasn't a word in the seminar about money, not a word, but I tripled my income that year. Mm. And the next year I, it, it went up by 10 times. And uh, so that led me into eventually becoming president of Bond Dynamics okay. and, running, and running the business side of that business. But in, in, so the first two years kind of straightening out their US business, and, and we were already, high, they were highly successful when I joined them, but they were a mess. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can be very successful and be a mess. So, yeah. so I had something to do. And the second two years there, I opened five foreign subsidiaries. I got to travel around the world, wow, which was just an incredible experience for me and an incredible amount of learning. Uh, the ownership of that company changed and made it impossible for me to be there. Uh, so I launched a company called LifeSpring that went on to have uh, half a million graduates in the United States and went to Japan and that became the largest training company in Asia and the second largest in the world. And then, so that's kind of my history. Yeah. And, but in that last two years at Mind Dynamics, the founder persuaded me to go through the instructor training. Mm. Giant wake-up call, number two, where I started seeing that I, uh, you know, whether you say it's a, a blessing or God's gift or an accident or whatever it was that I had some ability in seeing where people were mm-hmm. in reality, not, not the story they told me, but where they really were. Yeah. yeah. And well, you probably saw a little of that at Powder Mountain. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, right. So that's, uh, that's something that I'm reasonably good at. And it's valuable when you're working with the, uh, the size of the egos of, of my clients. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things that I found to be true, I mean, usually you can tell me if you is 
usually it manif- it begins to manifest itself in some sort of like I'm stuck from a business standpoint or I'm stuck financially or I'm trying to get this breakthrough. Like you can feel this breakthrough and we always seem to try to want to compartmentalize it of I need to solve a business problem. I need to solve something inside of my business. Right. But 99% of the time, actually, I'm probably going to say 100% of the time, it's not a business problem that you actually need to solve. Your breakthrough is sitting somewhere, and I, I like to break it into like three. It's sitting inside of your a family issue. It's sitting inside of some connection to God, faith issue, or you've got a fitness issue. You get something going on with your health. And if you could figure one of those things out, that's where the breakthrough happens on the business side of things. That, that, is that accurate from what you've seen? Uh, that's one way of saying it, and it is accurate. Look, we draw, there's a drawing in my book. I put it in my book. We use it in our seminars, and, and it's, you know, it's the picture of the uh, iceberg. Yeah. 10% of the iceberg is showing. 90% does not show. But what sunk the Titanic? You know, it wasn't the, the water. It wasn't the part you could see. Yeah. And we, we all have a, a huge amount of subconscious beliefs and they run us. Mm. If you, if you walk, if you're in the supermarket one day and you see a harried mom dealing with three kids and one of them is, you know, the kids don't want to be there, of course. And, you know, it's no fun, but she's not going to get a babysitter. So she'd go to the market. Right. So one of them's on the floor screaming and yelling. She finally loses it. She grabs him by the arm and gives him a swat on, on the butt. How do you react? You know, if, if you ask 100 people that, you get 100 different answers. That's right. But there are some patterns. and But you don't stop and think about it. You're mm. subconscious. Mm. So, you, you know, so some people say, well, I, I get away from the upset as quickly as I can. Some people say, I, uh, I intervene. You know, mm. I start coaching a woman. By the way, unless you're trained, that doesn't ever turn out well. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Uh, right. Or you get down on the floor and help pick up the stuff the kid knocked off the shelf. You know, there's all these different responses. They aren't, none of them are right or wrong. Uh, some of them work better than others, you know, but that reaction comes from your subconscious. Mm. You don't stop and think about it. You, you, you act. You do something. That's right. Yeah. Same when some guy walks in your office and says, I've got this problem at home. And you're thinking, well, this is the office. So mm. I don't want to talk to you, you know, or you jump into it and now you become part of the drama right. or you refer them to HR or, you know, whatever you do. Yeah. If you can be aware of that, if you can bring that up in your awareness of what's driving you, but you can only do that if you've done the work of finding out what drives you, you know? And so that's a bit of the work that I do with people, but it, uh, getting things from the subconscious into the conscious, because then you can choose and you can make better choices. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, that, that experience that I had of waking up in total luxury with everything I ever dreamed of in my life, and having God speak to me and tell me that, hey, you ain't done yet, buddy. Uh, he was a little more elegant than that. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, that what that required was I had to put aside some of that patterning that I had, that all mm-hmm. of this success was an accident, kind of. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I worked hard. Sure. I'm reasonably intelligent. I like genuinely like people. They tend to like me. That's all that's good. And I kind of knew that. Uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned this in Powder Mountain, but you know, my book, Living an Extraordinary Life, is, yeah. it's now it's now a bestseller. It's been people like it, and I'm pleased about that. I think it's helped some people make better choices. But I was really nervous. I mean, people told me to write that book for 20 years, and I stalled, and I had excuses. They were good ones, too. <laughs> and uh, But I, I finally got shamed by, uh, by the success of Seven Habits book, uh, yeah. you know, which is about 50% of our material. <laughs> is that, oh, sorry. You know, and so people were right. I should have written a book. And so I finally wrote it. And, but I was so nervous and then people liked it and people like Ken Blanchard and Jimmy Colano and all these famous oh. people like it and buy lots of copies for their friends. Great. And I, for about 18 seconds, I, I felt okay. <laughs> because that, what happens next is people would say, I love your book, but I was disappointed. So oh. I go, uh, about what? And yeah. they say, well, the book is not about you, Robert. The book is about your graduates and how they interact with your material and so on, which is true. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this in Powder Mountain, but one chapter is about me. Hmm. But it, it doesn't admit that in the book. But that chapter is titled, uh, You Are Not Enough. Hmm. You Are Not Enough, which is the basis, if you think about it, of that imposter syndrome. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, so my journey personally and in the people I work with is about being enough hmm. that, uh, you know, Arjun Sin, who you've met, yep. you know, Arjun talks about you're one of one. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. I've been teaching, using different words, I've been teaching that, but, but I like his expression, so I'm stealing it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we're all one of one. Yeah, we're we all a manifestation of God's grace. And uh, with all of our mistakes, with all of our frailties, with all of, of all of our sins, uh, with yeah. all of our, all of the screw ups, we're still special. Yeah, we're unique. We are one of one. And one if we one. can, if we can own that uh, and, and be conscious about all that other stuff. We're going to be better at hiring. We're going to be better at firing. We're going to be better at managing, better at leading, better with our families, better in our communities. So that's what I'm up to. That's awesome. Robert, let me ask you this question. If you kind of, you look at where you are today and the things that you're doing with um, living a better story and the retreats that are happening there where we met in Powder Mountain and then um, you're looking at just kind of the things that are, that are ahead and that experience of waking up of like you've been called the more um, is always kind of a cautious question, but I think it's important is, are there things that you would go back and change if you could? Are there things that you would do differently that you'd tell the young man who even, or the, the, the man who, who had the success, the man who sold the business and retired, would you say 46? Yes. You know, it, that you would tell that guy, maybe even at 36 or whatever, what, what does that look like for you? Wow. Well, uh, a commitment that I made actually with John Denver in one of those late night sessions is to live a life of no regrets. Mm, yeah. Now, do I have them from the past? Yes and no, because 
uh, we do a lot, I do a lot of work with people around realizing that at any given moment, it's all a choice. Yeah. So it's that thing that you're judging yourself for. I mean, one word on it is, is spiritual to realize that God's grace means acceptance by God of you, no matter how you screwed up. That's right. All right. But there's a, a, a more practical way of doing it, the non-spiritual way, the behavioral way, is to realize that at that point in time, that person that you wronged or you betrayed, that divorce that you had a hand in, uh, that kid that you maybe weren't as good a parent as you should have been or wanted to be, yep. in that moment, you actually made the best choice you could make. Mm. Given who you were being, given the information you had at that time, given the knowledge, the wisdom, the maturity, or lack of it, whatever, you made the best decision then. Yeah, yeah, great point. To, to beat yourself up after that is just the most incredibly uh, useless, stupid thing to do. And, mm -hmm. and it gets in the way of you owning your own power of taking full responsibility for your life and making good choices going into the future. For most of us, when we make that kind of mistake, we learn from it. We pay a price. Yep. We don't do it again. If we're doing it again, you better call me. <laughs> That's right. You know, because <laughs> there's a deeper pattern going on there. And we can find out what that pattern is yep. and then do a, do a pattern interrupt. And uh, we're all capable of that. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I would tell the... I, the 30 year old Robert or something, you know, some story like that is wake up. First of all, mm. develop, develop a higher state of noticing because the universe gives you all kinds of feedback. Yeah. Most of the time we're not listening. That's right. Uh, the second piece is really get that uh, personal responsibility owning it all really works. And then finally get into a, uh, a higher level of communication, a mastery level of listening, of speaking, of writing, of sensing and feeling. Uh, you, you know, I've, I've shared with people uh, a couple of times that you don't need my coaching or training if you develop a really high level of noticing. Mm. You, be, you become your own trainer, your own therapist, your own doctor, uh, your own trainer, teacher, whatever. Because we are designed by God for perfection. <laughs> and we fall, you know, you know the stories. We fall away from it. Yeah. But but we'll go back to it if we just wake up. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, uh, you know, I'm not a preacher. I'm not even a teacher. But I generally, I can ask some pretty good questions to help people see that the answers to the, their life are within them. Mm. the answers are unique to them because they are unique yeah and they that, have this oh, that's unique. so powerful because that's something that it took a few years and some coaching and some training that i was blessed to receive to really kind of understand that the ultimate gift is when you can learn to be your own therapist yes when you can learn to be your own your best counsel um, just no, to notice those patterns that we yeah. fall into, including the ones that really work for us and, and celebrating those and doing more of them. You know, Absolutely. do more, 
classic advice, right? Do more of what works. Do less <laughs> of what doesn't work. <laughs> no. You may have just answered it in everything that you did, but I'm going to kick myself if I don't ask this question. And there's a different answer. Because I think about the people who are listening right now, um, people who, you know, they're listening to something called redefining success. So they want to know different ways that are doing it. Is there any pattern or anything that you see that we haven't talked about that's like, man, if I can just tell everyone this one thing, it would really begin to shift things for them. Because this is when I walk into a room, this is where most people are stuck. You know, uh, a guy that has done a very good job of promoting himself and selling a book is Simon Sinek yeah. on his book about why. Uh, I don't use that expression. In neuro-linguistic programming, you learn to never ask why because Mm -hmm. it triggers the brain, not the heart. But it's a very good book. And and the idea is that we get in touch with our purpose for living, not our vision, not our goals. Mm -hmm. But why am I here? Why is this unique individual here on the planet? And... uh, in, in my work, uh, I've identified four levels of purpose. And uh, the first one, the most obvious, is survival. You got to handle food, clothing, and shelter. Yeah. All right. The second level is maintenance, and that is getting your food, clothing, and shelter handled so you don't have to worry about it. Right. You know, just a routine in your life. So you're not broke or you're not struggling, you're not an alcoholic you know, kind of you're maintaining life. The third level is the one that a lot of business people I've noticed uh, avoid, and that's leisure. Mm. And by leisure, I do not mean laying on the beach. I mean, it's turning all of your life into a work of play. Mm. That everything you're doing brings a smile to you. That you just, you love what you're doing. And yes, it does include some time on the beach. It includes... Uh, you know, I found myself, unfortunately, after a divorce, sitting on the floor, putting uh, nylons on Barbie dolls. Mm. Do you, you know, you know what it's like for a mature man to, <laughs> or a supposedly mature man, to be putting nylons on Barbie dolls? You can have fun doing that. Yeah. Uh, you can have fun in lots of ways. And, and it is a higher level of purpose than survival or maintenance. But the highest level of all is contribution. And for, mm. I know that's where you come from in your work with, with wealthy families. And I love that about you. And I love that whole mission that you've got going. And that is to think, be, think sure, you want to increase your wealth, yeah. but you also want to increase its impact. That's right. On your family, on the community, on the world. Yeah. And the, the fact that you're helping people plan that, I'd, well, first of all, I fell in love with you because you're a Christian that doesn't depend on church. Uh, so I figure I, f- I found another member of my tribe. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, this whole, this whole notion of, of uh, having a routine, you know, your routine about uh, in the morning, right? Yeah. <laughs> all of those things, that, that resonates with me. But toward, toward what end? Well, for me, it's toward contribution. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm donating somewhere between ten and twenty, and probably more to living a better story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not getting paid, but I I'm helping to build this tribe of of uh, Christians and Jews and Buddhists and Muslims who 
maybe don't go to church or synagogue or temple uh, or mosque, but they're deeply connected to God and they are, they are here to contribute, yep. to fulfill God's purpose for them in the real world. Yep. You know, and, and uh, I love that. I love contributing to it. I love helping people get other stuff out of the way so that they can uh, win at all four of those levels of purpose. So let's, you've, you've talked about that a little bit. Let's, let's, with Robbie, you and I could talk for another hour. Um, I'm going to have to be respectful of my audience. We're going to have to keep this yeah. to 45 minutes, but I do want to, I want to, I want to kind of end this here, which is we've talked a little bit about where we met and living a better story. And there's people going like, what is this living a better story? What is this thing? So a couple of things I want you to highlight one um, this is early February. I know there is an event in February I want you to mention, but if you know of other events, I don't know exactly when this will go live. So I don't want to miss that window if there's other windows that are ahead. But who's the who's the right person that needs to look into this? What tell them tell them a little bit about the experience and what it is. Guys, I will just tell you, I had the honor of getting to speak at one. And so that was like that was incredible. Robert and I were both speaking, but the participation too. But give the audience an idea of. What is the event about? What's it for? Who should attend? And again, the dates of what's coming up of what you know, and then in the future where they can also find future dates. Look, the one in, and uh, I don't actually, don't, I, you know, I should look here. I do have a computer, right? <laughs> uh, uh, the one that's coming up in February will be here in Colorado. Okay. And it's the 17th through the 20th. So it's a four-day program. It's residential. Uh, you know, you live in, you get to know some really wonderful people. And what we're looking for people uh, is people that already have a good story. I mean, you know, we're already doing kind of okay in the world. It's about what's next, about mm. what's what's possible for you. Uh, if uh, with a little bit of fine tuning and also the support of the kind of people this kind of thing attracts. I mean, you saw at Powder Mountain, it, what an incredible group of people, wow, was it? right? Yeah. And the, the one we did in Scottsdale, was it again the same? It was different, but it was the same in terms of connection to really wonderful, wonderful, powerful people who will be my friends the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, so that's pretty cool. And uh, uh, so we're going to, I mean, we want to do more of these things. I don't know when the next one is scheduled, but certainly within 90 days uh, after after this one in February, but we want to get to the point where it's every month and, and we're reaching thousands of people. So that's what we're up to serving people whose story is already pretty good, but they want to live a better story. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Actually living a better story.com is where you can go. There's videos, there's information. You're going to find out when the next event is. Um, I highly recommend that you go, go spend some time. Robert will probably be there. Chad will be there. Arjun maybe even be there. I don't know who all is speaking lately. It all depends, but um, there are some incredible people um, that yes. you get to spend some time with. And um, the, it's also, that, it's also cheaper than my work. <laughs> you go, frankly, right? <laughs> I love every, everybody's working free. You know, yep. So yeah. Um, so. One last little thing is always a question I like to ask a book other than the Bible, and I'm going to even limit you from yours, um, that you would recommend people read that would really make a difference in their lives. Uh, it's, uh, if I have to choose just one, it's Man's Search for Meaning. Mm. Frankl. Victor Frankl's yep. story of his survival in the 
Holocaust. He's one of those guys with a number on his arm. And uh, it's just, it, it's the closest thing to the Bible. Uh, you know, I was on the radio once and, and when I was doing the PR for my book and, you know, you send the book ahead and somebody reads it, usually not the interviewer, right. and they come up with five questions and one of them has to be snarky. That's like, that's like a rule. Yeah. And so this guy says, well, you know, what's so special about your book? I mean, there's all these books on personal development. And uh, uh, he said, aren't they all derivative? And I don't know, I was tired, or I was distracted, or I was just being incredibly honest. And I said, I said, well, uh, they are all derivative. There's only two originals, the Holy Bible, and and I said, think and grow rich, which which is an old kind of badly written but very good book. Yeah, yeah. And since since then, I do recommend Man's Search for Meaning, but Think and Grow Rich is pretty good about success. So, and as I'm saying, I can see these words in the air, you know, going into the microphone, and I'm thinking, I've just told people not to buy my book. <laughs> But I think I have a pretty good book and a lot of people seem to like it. <laughs> but Man's Search for Meaning is, is the one to read and reread. Wonderful. Robert, if anybody's listening to the show and they're like, I've got to get in touch with this guy. I've got to know more. I've got to just be, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you, find out more about you and learn more just kind of about the work that you're doing? Look, I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook and all that stuff, but the best way is, is to email me, okay. uh, Robert, Robert at extraordinarypeople.com. Okay. And, and also, if you go on the website, extraordinarypeople.com, one of the things I'm happy to, to offer people mm -hmm. with no charge is over the years, I've, I've written a 28-page essay on success and uh, about the, our, what we call our eight principles. Uh, and a lot of people have found it to be valuable. It's free, and also it signs you up for my weekly e-zine, which is called An Extraordinary Minute. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm on the website right now. Um, if you go there, I mean, it's super easy. It's right there. It's in a purple box right in front of you. You can't miss it. So go sign up for that. Get the 28-page success guide with the eight principles. Robert, what an honor. What a joy. I, I think we're going to probably end up trying to find a way to do this again, because I had so many things we didn't even get into and the time went like that. So um, thank you for your authenticity. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And thank you for honoring me by being here today. Uh, you're very welcome. And look, it's all about relationship, you know, with listeners. I don't know if we'll ever do anything together, but I want to, I want to, I want to meet people. I learn from them. Hopefully they can learn something from me. We can rock and roll together. I love that. I love that. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, and we'll be here again next week. Have a great week. God bless you. Eric L. Dunavit here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunavant.com 
slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, we would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media. And we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, you all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360 com and all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off. Until next time.